Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. This is your post-match podcast for West Ham 1, Everton 1. It's me, Dave Downey, on post-match duty this evening with Rob Vera all the way from the United States. Where I don't know, Rob, is it, is it pretty cold where you are? It is pretty cold, Um, but it's sunny, so there's that. Uh, It just looks nice outside, and yet you don't really want to go outside, so it's kind of a mixed mixed bag. (laughs) Very very similar to the day we've had uh, in the UK today, actually. It was uh, freezing, but um, it was was pretty nice on the eye if you didn't know what temperature it was outside. Um, What wasn't easy on the eye this afternoon was uh, the performances of both West Ham and Everton in a pretty dreary, pretty, pretty drab Pretty uninspiring one-all draw away uh, at the London Stadium. Um, initial thoughts, Rob, on, on the team selection. We saw Moyes Keane finally get a start. Richarlison injured, of course, which obviously taints any performance, I would suggest, because uh, he's quickly become our talisman uh, over the last, well, probably 18 months, really. Um, and it was a, a choice of Delph and, uh, well, pretty limited options in there, at least. Yeah. A choice of Delph and Tom Davis in midfield. And uh, Yeri Mina reacquainted himself alongside Mason Holgate. Um, initial thoughts on the team selection? I mean, honestly, I was, which is, of course, my mortal mistake, I was relatively encouraged by yeah. it. And honestly, I, I think that I was encouraged 24 hours ago because I think you could kind of pick the 11 based on knowing that, that both Sigurdsson and Richarlison were going to be out. Um, having said that, I think that we all are kind of, at least I am guilty of doing the thing where I can look at an 11 and, and kind of kind of talk my way around the mid, the glaring hole of midfield <laughs> and be like, yeah, but you know, this could work. Yeah. Um, but but once again, you know, glasses half empty view of this obviously is that we have a terrible midfield, uh, you know, terrible central midfield right now that really compromises our ability to do a lot of things. Um, the fact that we've been grinding out points uh, during a period where we've had what I, I think I said on Twitter before is a relegation level central midfield, uh, you know, uh, talent level or cast or whatever you want to call it is is a minor miracle. So I guess that might be the glasses half full uh, hmm. uh, aspect of things. But, you know, I look, I I thought that that I was happy to see Bernard get uh, another start. I know we'll go on to talk about him getting yanked at halftime, but uh, I, on the back of his, his game against Brighton, I, I thought, oh, well, we've got Bernard starting. This is a chance for Keane and Calvert-Lewin to, to play together. So I didn't have a problem with the 11, but as you noted, there's really not much else that could have been done given the options that we've got at our disposal currently. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with that. I do, I do make the same. Uh, naive mistake every week when I see the midfield Rob I, I feel as if obviously without um, Gabarman and Gomez available um, even even Sigurdsson which you know albeit we, we know his problems and we know his limitations at this moment in his career um, but at least it would have been another option in there so it's very much we, we know we understand that Carlo Ancelotti's hand is forced but yeah I, I arrive at the same point every week it seems where I think these lads will ultimately come good and it's just a question of of when and not if and I'm still waiting for the when <laughs> and I'm leaning more towards if with, with with certainly the options that we have in there or the lack of them um, yeah. and from that point of view I think before we get a little bit deeper into the minute side of the game um, I feel as if Carlo Ancelotti deserves immense credit that's 10 points from 15 um, mm-hmm. Since he's been at the club now, that over the course of a season is it is Champions League form. He deserves immense credit for that, Rob. Uh, absolutely, uh, we we said at the outset of really not only him being hired, but on the heels of Marco Silva being sacked, that uh, what this thing needed more than anything else was a an honest acknowledgement of of where we were at in regards to what options were available, and b uh, the ability to make the most out of a bad situation, which is really what it is when you look at you know the injuries and, and how compromised we are in midfield currently. But um, yeah, to get 10, 10 out of fifteen, uh, I, I think is 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 just obviously. Uh, uh, it, it obviously means that, that Carlo Ancelotti deserves immense credit for uh, steadying the ship, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm. if, if Silva had been able to get even you know eighty percent of this kind of points return, mm. uh, I think he would still obviously be in a job right now. Um, but but yeah, Carlo Ancelotti's come in, and um, I think he has looked at this thing honestly and said, "All right, here's what I've got to work with, and we're going to find a way to, at the very least, manufacture points where we can." I mean, we would all like uh, we'd all like three points today, uh, obviously. But at the same time, uh, I know Matt Jones put it this way earlier this week. If you if you look at the the the, the Saturday uh, Tuesday combination of, of games, and if you can get four points out of that, uh, you'll take that and yeah. you'll be happy. And, and and again, we still continue to revisit that that mathematical thing where we're really on the cusp of of being back in contention for European spots, which I think is more of a testament to, to how absolutely awful this league is, right? Right now, yeah. more than anything else, but yeah. at the same time, you can only play uh, the, the the opposition that's in front of you. And so, uh, given given who he was without today, um, you know, especially in regards to Richarlison, um, to, to get a point here is is not the worst outcome. Um, though I will point out once again that we have scored one goal, and that one goal was scored by one of the two people who score goals for this thing. So yeah. I think that, that the issues are, are there for everyone to see. I don't think that they're, they're issues that anyone is uh, unaware of, but but um, you know, all things considered, it's, a, it's an excellent points return. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a point from today in, in terms of the result itself is, is no bad thing uh, having said that I mean if you look at the Premier League table it was a big chance for us to sort of steal a march on the sides that are immediately above us in that race for the European spot um, but we're currently I think five points off that elusive European spot which again um, highlights what you're saying about the quality of the league um, as does the quartet of midfield players on show today from both sides and it was Mark Noble Declan Rice who gets in my opinion, a ridiculous amount of positive 
press coverage simply because he's well firstly he chose England over Ireland he chose to switch allegiances um, he's got Mark Noble Premier League stalwart there's quite clearly a reason why he's not left West Ham uh, and okay yeah he's got a lot of loyalty and you have to give him that in the modern day but uh, simply put as an outsider I think he's that's his level basically he's probably a lower lower half Premier League footballer um, yeah. and, and he sort of stayed in his lane for his whole career to give him credit I mean he's had his moments but um, that in mind that's what was so frustrating for me Rob um, is returning to that initial point of conversation we started this show with um, sort of hoping that these midfielders that we have to pick come good and given that the, the, those two for West Ham in midfield and, and Tom Davis and Fabian Delph coming up against them that shouldn't be an issue, I don't think. I feel as if Fabian Delft's been a quality player over his career and he should be able to get the better, just at 30 years old, by the way, against mm-hmm. those two. And not least Tom Davis, who's still trying to prove a point yet. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would I would say the West Ham duo maybe edged the battle. Um, and, and, and obviously that is another indictment for the position we're in uh, and the shortage of options. But it felt to me that if there was any sort of semblance of quality in that midfield on Everton's behalf we'd comfortably win that game because I saw a first half Rob where both sides seemed to (laughs) almost willingly at times give the ball to the opposition because they simply didn't want to control it themselves Um, I I saw two players in Delph and Davis who for for all the initiative they tried to show the decision making generally was abysmal we got into some really good areas of the pitch towards the uh, 18 yard box and then you're looking to get it to Walcott, to Bernard, to try and create something. Walcott, once again, was his anonymous self, I felt. Um, there was actually a point in the first half when the ball was played into him. And basically, he, he literally gave up um, trying to fight for the ball because somebody was sort of right up his backside and, and won it ahead of him. He didn't track back. Um, that, for me, was shocking. Um, felt Bernard was really on the cusp of things like he was pretty excited to see him start trying to maybe rekindle that, that form that we saw last season with Luca Dean on the left. And and it was all at sixes and sevens in the, in that in that area. We found found it massively difficult to get the ball to our creative players. And that in turn obviously has a negative effect on on Calvert Lewin and, and Moise Keane. Um we'll we'll discuss Moise Keane in a moment or two um because obviously there's a lot of fallout whenever he plays. Um and I'll get your thoughts on that in a moment. But that that issue of any sort of real penetration from the midfield or wide areas in the absence of Richarlison is particularly worrying because if we were to lose him for any extended amount of time and he still might be out against Newcastle on Tuesday, it, it just shows you the gulf that, and the slack everybody else simply doesn't pick up and seem incapable of picking up to me. Yeah, I... I don't even know where to begin anymore with yeah. with the midfield. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, and 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 the fact that you're talking about Richarlison being a big miss in that regard, when it it, it seems like he's really now more of a striker, an established striker in a four four two than anything else. Mm-hmm. Then I, I'm, you know, I, I don't know what to make of it, and I and I really uh, I, again, as much as I'm, I want to give Carlo Ancelotti uh, credit, and, and I certainly do. Um, he has forgotten more about football in the last ten minutes than I've ever known in my entire life. But I, I would also. I, I I I don't know that I totally got the substitution at halftime. Um, on the one hand, I, I don't have a problem getting giving Anthony Gordon um, an opportunity, but 
I always wonder in those moments, why is it that Walcott survives those obvious substitutions? <laughs> you know, it, it just, I, I wasn't sure. I, there was nothing I saw in the first half that made me think that Bernard was so poor or especially much poorer than Walcott to be the one that, that was taken off. Then, mm-hmm. now having said that, you kind of saw that he was maybe a move ahead and maybe the idea was to eventually get Sidibe on in that position yeah. uh, to see if he could do a little bit more in that area. But uh, I'm, I'm probably quibbling over something that, that is papering over cracks i mean the bottom line was that that with with delph and davis we just had a completely ineffectual central midfield that really as i said before it it brings more pressure onto the defense than there needs to be it also uh in regards to not only the way in which they they just aren't that adept at breaking up play as a pairing but Mm -hmm. they also uh aren't a pair that you know, as much as everyone talks about Tom Davis will play balls forward, and 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 I, I know that that there are stats on that for sure. Um, I, I, he gives the ball away a ton. He gets the ball taken off of him a ton. Um, transitional opportunities start when the ball gets taken from him. Um, you know, Fabian Delft gives up a, a stupid free kick that ends up and ends up being the only goal of the game for West Ham. And, and it's just it's kind of a calamity of things, but it's also sort of going back to that idea of you know we've we've somehow made it this far. We've made it to mid-table um, with with these types of options there. But, um, you know, everyone thinks that that you, you see a performance like this and you're like, well, we need to try something different. Mm-hmm. And then you put Schneiderlin in and it's not much better. You put Sigurdsson back there and uh, he's not scoring. He's not really creating much. Um, he's a, He's been, been creating a little more lately, but really it's he's playing out of position there. There's just, there's just not a lot of good solutions there. And as long as we are in a position against teams that – that uh, where our midfield gets exposed like that, even even the average to below average teams like West Ham, it's harder to then generate the, the opportunities and just in general the flow and getting a foothold in a game without having midfielders who can, can uh, hold on to the ball for a bit. And, and I would say this too, as much as there is always this very kind of captain obvious uh, point that is made about hmm. – uh, we need to play quicker. Uh, we need to play quicker. And if we can play more quickly uh, and get the ball forward faster, we can be a better team. Well, it's really hard to play quick when you don't have that many players in the 11 who are adequate passers of the ball. Yeah. And when that's, I mean, I, I don't want to get all, you know, I don't want to be too, too on the nose here. Uh, I, but, but I, I look at the inability at times for us to string more than three passes together. Well, I think you're right there, Rob. Well, it doesn't surprise me at all. Well, I was just going to say, I think you're right because the you know the simple simple physics of football is the ball moves faster than any players do. So you know yeah. you, you need to have control of that ball before you start talking about pace and getting people to, to quickly maneuver themselves about the pitch and give the ball to each other succinctly, and, and that just simply doesn't happen in this side. Um, the Bernard thing is interesting. I mean. I, Anthony Gordon come on later on in the game and I thought so some really good glimpses and um, he seemed quick he seemed really really able to control the ball himself ball retention was really good um, but uh, next thing I sort of want to get on obviously we're not doing this chronologically but Umani Ass got another <laughs> appearance under his belt for Everton coming on for Moise Keane which uh, I don't think is a a statement of, of Moise Keane's ability or lack thereof that many people think he, he has or maybe hasn't got. But um, again, another um, another example of where this squad really is at when he's our option off the bench, isn't it, Rob? 
<laughs> yeah, I saw some tweet, and I don't know the exact, uh, I forget the exact figure, but they said something like 350 million pounds later, and we're still bringing Nias off the bench, which it, <laughs> it, it makes for funny, it makes for good humor, but I would also point out that everyone was eager to get rid of Chink Tosin as quickly as possible, and I'm not saying that that's wrong, but he's gone, and Richarlison's injured, so you are now in a position where you're going to be bringing Nias off mm. of the bench in a scenario like that. Did you see um, what Tosin did today, by the way? Oh, yeah. He scored. Of course he scored. And, and in fact, I think he scored almost simultaneously with us giving up the yeah. the, the opening goal. Yeah. So that's just, I mean, that's so... At Manchester City, another, too. Yeah, I was ready for a banter day. Yeah. I really was. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to our credit, uh, and, and I don't want to let this uh, go under the radar, uh, Calvert-Lewin scored again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what was crazy, and, and this is not really being too critical of him, it's just that he had a couple of chances in the first half where, you know, he's, he never seemed short of being able to jump high in the air and yet yeah. seemed to miss by centimeters his head uh, on a couple of balls that, that could have gone in. And, and uh, you, you just want to get more out of that because he's such a good poacher of the mm-hmm. ball. But he's he's obviously turning in a, a very good season. And, um, and as we get into the discussion of, of – how on one hand people can say see i told you so about calvert lewin uh on the same hand a lot of those same people are like well moise keen has nothing and we should get rid of him and he's got you know he's got no talent whatsoever mm-hmm. like it's weird like you know the two two best players on the pitch today arguably were the players who are a testament to getting better with uh growth and time and patience and exposure right that yeah. would be mason holgate and that would be yeah. uh that would be uh, dominic calvert lewin and so i feel like we've got to probably try to take those those lessons forward uh to a certain degree in terms of how we look at Moise Keen. but yeah I mean that's 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 it, it was just all around like I, I checked my sources Dave legally speaking this was a Premier League game but I'm not totally <laughs> sure that I could convince anyone who'd never seen it before that it really lives up to the hype that I that I probably have thrust upon it in the past no very very low in quality I completely agree let's let's talk about Moise Keen then because um he seems to be the elephant in the room once again. Um, I thought, uh, and again, this is divided opinion. I'm having an ongoing conversation with people on Twitter about this, but I felt the first half he showed a lot of promise. He was finding himself in areas where he was always asking for the ball. When he received it, um, he was always looking to get Everton on the front foot. He was looking to give it to players and move. Uh, he showed an outstanding amount of pace. I think he had a bit of a foot race with Ogbonna, who's no slouch whatsoever, and beat him to the ball. Um, there was a point where I think Calvert-Lewin gets on the end of a cross by Luca Dean, and had he got sort of a finer touch on it with his head, it would have fell right to the feet of Moyes Keane. And you can see him put his hands to his head, almost as if to say, look, when's this going to happen for me? And, and, <laughs> yeah. and that, that's where I'm at with him, to be honest with you, Robert. I'm, I'm thinking when's it going to happen for him more than if, because... Many people, I don't think, will agree with this, um, and, and it'd be interesting to see. Maybe we'll run a poll on this on the on the Blue Room Twitter account or something like that. But I feel as if I've seen enough, even in the brief glimpses, to know that this guy is a is a real talent, and and he will make it um, as as a well, maybe not a Premier League striker, but he will make it as a very very good striker I think he's got all the technical ability in the world I think he's got blistering amount of pace when he really puts the afterburners on and it feels as if look we've sort of bypassed such a crucial part of his development um, in, at a time when things were basically 
going tits up at the football club in regards to getting Marco Silva in and out. Um, he come in at a time when a striker with huge potential probably wasn't needed and somebody more established was. That made him a square peg in a round hole and I'm just sort of generalising his Everton career so far because he's only made 19 appearances, most of which have been from the bench and right. most of the others where he started, he's been taken off. And I do wonder, and again, I keep on banging this drum to people, he's 19 years old. He's, <laughs> he's made one appearance for every year he's been on this planet in an Everton shirt and yet there's people out there who say he's he's nowhere near as good enough as he needs to be? You've mentioned it there. Dominic Calvert Lewin is the case in point in this in this example, I think, because here we've we've had a striker who has constantly divided opinion. Me and you have been extremely on the other side of the fence with him, thinking he's not been good enough. Mark Mosey uh, has, has been on that side of the fence with me and refused to shift, despite many um, attempts at getting us over the other side by Matt Jones, who I think collectively has swooped in and taken us all to the positive side with, with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Right. Um, and, and I feel as if, you know, and, and that took Dom a hell of a long time to get to where he is now and and by no means is he the finished article I think that's what's still exciting about him um, we're starting to see a goal return from a player that I don't think is anywhere near his peak yet um, but it took time it took patience one thing Calvert-Lewin had that Moise Keane hasn't of course is a background and a grounding and uh, an upbringing in English football um, he played for Sheffield United he came to our academy he had proper development at the football club so he gets everything about the club which is a phrase I hate using but in this sample example I think it's true he, he got um, some real experience in the under 23 system uh, he started making fleeting substitute appearances and then he was thrust into the side and it very much felt like the conventional way to introduce a young player into a squad with him yes he was a sacrificial lamb for Ronald Koeman he was played out of position we've heard this so many times with our young players but eventually uh, he started to come good and I don't see why that couldn't be the case with Moise Keane. He should at least be given the same amount of time to prove himself as Calvert-Lewin was. Perhaps even more given the fact that he's come from another country, another language and a completely different culture. Um, I, I just don't understand a lot of fans' attitude to just weigh in on people straight away and come away with these real generalisations despite the fact we've seen very, very little evidence that he's either poor or good. We just simply haven't seen it yet. And I, I just wish people had reserved judgment until we've been able to give him a proper trial at, at the football club. Look, Everton fandom is nothing if not full of hot take culture. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Okay. Like I, it, we have a complete inability as a fan base. If we're honest with ourselves to be, to moderate our opinions generally. Yeah. I mean, players are either, World class or they're shit. Yeah. And the problem, the problem with with assessing players like that, and and not acknowledging your biases, and you know, <laughs> it, it just it, it completely um, negates the ability to have an honest conversation about certain players. Uh, I think also that we tend to conflate our well, no, we don't. I don't think we do. We absolutely tend uh, tend to conflate our personal feelings or our feelings about the person with their performance on the pitch. Um, it's why, um, it's why people have seen enough of, of Moise Keane, but a lot of them have all the time in the world for Tom Davis. And it's not, and again, I'm not saying Tom Davis is awful or anything, but that goes back to that whole inability to moderate. I, I personally think that 
you give a player enough time on the pitch, you learn about who they are. And I think that we have begun to see, see with more exposure, for instance, um, Calvert-Lewin and Mason Holgate have risen to the occasion and have proven themselves to be very, you know, I think that you can just go ahead and say they're good Premier League football players. I think Tom Davis, you know, I think we at times squint to see you know, something really great in his performances. But I think overall he's been okay uh, and often below average. But I think he's just kind of – he's just a guy. He's an average player. And if he wasn't from – if he wasn't from where he's from, um, I don't think anyone would be make would make such a huge fuss or get so emotionally worked up about it. Um, you know, at the same time – and again, I'm not saying he doesn't have a, a role because, by the way, every Premier League team needs, you know, relatively solid average players that can provide depth and that you can count on. It doesn't – just because a guy – and that's the other thing we have to get past when we analyze players. This idea that they're either a star or they're shit, there's got to be something in between. Mm. And to your exact point – um, it, it makes zero sense. Like I think about, I think about when I've been to Europe before, um, years ago, I remember uh, getting off the plane. I was in France and I remember suddenly it hitting me how I did not know the language and the ice cream headache that ensued from there. Well, imagine being living that way every day, only your livelihood depends upon you succeeding in an atmosphere like that, where you're, yeah. you're you're trying to learn the language, you're trying to learn the culture, all of these things. Now, that can sound like excuse making for Moise Keane, and, and if you want to say that that's what it is, fine. But I would also say that with Calvert Lewin, um, a lot of the times, you know, especially for those who, who have doubted him, and, and I've been one of those people, and I give him full credit for for turning himself into what he is. But given the raw, you know, given the ability he has, I think he's turned into a very good Premier League player. We always used to moderate or or find rationale for why Calvert Lewin wasn't scoring goals, especially towards the end of last season when we were kind of flying, but Calvert Lewin wasn't scoring goals. We would say things like, "Well, he's doing other things." or the midfield isn't creating any opportunities for him. Well, now we have a worse, much worse midfield situation mm. than what Calvert-Lewin has had in the last couple of years, and yet we are ready to write this guy off. The same thing has happened already with guys like Iwobi, who are like anyone who's under the age of 24 who's been at the club less than a season. Yeah. I'd kind of like to think that we ought to, you know, especially as we're preaching financial uh, restraints and the idea that we have to become a club that develops its players. Well, development is not just developing your under 23s it's developing the young assets you bring to the club Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a testament to that sort of approach that he has been developed over time but development is a two-way street it has to come from both the the club and the way in which they handle and treat the player but it also has to come from the player having the initiative to look in the mirror and be able to say I know I need to get better and here's where I need to get better and I've got to have the intestinal fortitude to do so so what Mm. you hope for with Moise Keane is that uh, given his raw ability and but to your point dave there is absolutely raw ability there you see how strong yeah. he is I, I mean i've seen him up, up close when he was like his first appearance for the club against watford and i could tell you like there is some there's a lot to work with yeah. there um he he needs time he needs nurturing he needs a stable managerial situation but he could also use a bit of the same goodwill we had when we like to pat ourselves on the back for you know making the you know 
kick out racism banners for him when it's convenient to make Moise Keen into like the symbol of our virtue mm-hmm. as a fan base. Why don't we extend some of that patience to his development as a person and as yep. a player? He's 19 years old. Um, he needs time and I've got all the time in the world for him. We've got to stop deciding that we have to get rid of players after they haven't lit the world on fire within the first few months of being at the club. End of story. Uh, you, you couldn't. Have, I really couldn't have put it any better, Rob. I think that's absolutely spot on with that. Um, I want to finish on another bright point. Um, you mentioned two of them that's really stood out today. One was Calvert Lewin for another goal, um, which is you know really good to see that he's kicking on in terms of getting a goal scoring return and getting the chance. More importantly, referring to what you've just said there, to have a goal scoring return in this side, despite the obvious uh, flaws in everybody that's able to, to support him. The other is Mason Holgate, who yes. I think. I think many people, I'd probably say myself included, along with Calvert-Lewin, have been the standout performers this season in general. Um, Again, I mean, he's he's 23 now, Mason, so I'm hesitant to call him a young player, but again, another another person in that squad who is an example of patience being the the telling attribute here for a club to have with a young player. Uh, He's been out on loan. When he was out on loan, he didn't play in his natural position. He was played at right back for West Brom. and he has been, he's sort of been thrown about in that regard. We saw him start under Ronald Koeman's side and then he was almost cast aside after that, despite doing pretty well, I think many people would say. Um, and, and I just feel as if now that he, he seems to be nearing that stage where we're seeing a really competent centre-half who's quick, he's good in the air, and his decision-making when he has the ball at his feet is of a level that, you know, you want this this lad at the club for, for some years to come. He seems to be somebody who fits in seamlessly to that back four now. Obviously, it hasn't always been the case, but given the maybe injury issues slash consistency of Yeri Mina and certainly the, the issues Michael Keane's had this season and the season before last, he's like a breath of fresh air in, in that back four, Rob, and I think today was a perfect example of that. I thought he was calmness personified. Uh, Yeah. And, uh, you know, depending on how you you look at a statement like this, um, he was our best passer of the ball when he got into midfield. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty damning and a damning indictment of the midfield on some level. But, yeah, uh, Mason Holgate uh, is a guy who I think we need to also remember – that he did not just have this meteoric rise, that he has been a player who has dealt with adversity, dealt with just being completely shut out of the team for, God, it felt like almost two years, and then going to West Brom and then uh, playing right, what he played right back most of that time. And he's come in and just taken his opportunity. Now, um, some of that is because Michael Keane opened the door uh, by by. You know, kind of exposing what mm. level he, he's really at um, once he, he lost the Kurt Zuma safe, uh, comfort blanket or safety blanket, if you will. Um, but Mason Holgate um, has he's, he's, he's calm. Um, he's, he's a skilled passer to the point where I, I, I sometimes think that 
the the idea of someone like Fabian Delft, for instance, was having a player who could potentially, you know, kind of swing back and forth, you know, in theory, at least between, uh, you know, an emergency center half as well as playing in midfield. I mean, you could honestly, you could you could make the argument, and I kind of put this out on Twitter today, not trying to to make a joke, but really just to to, to provide an honest assessment of kind of where things are at. But you know, I, I would take Mason Holgate playing in a midfield role if we had better. <laughs> we had better center half <laughs> options right now. I mean, I thought, no, I mean, you know, he's, he's only played a game or two in the, that position, but he never looked out of place. Um, he's just a, he's just someone who has taken his opportunity and, um, and he's run with it. He is, he's still not a really big center half. I think I worry a little sometimes about some of the, some of his, uh, some of the, the opportunities that larger uh, forwards will get in the air against mm. him. Uh, you know, maybe the physical side of the game, but in the modern game, game that is so reliant upon pay, upon pace and, and quick decision making um I, I think mason holgate is a, a modern center half in every sense of the word and I, I really am excited to as we talked about before Dave, we, we talked about the sliding doors moments from this season um if zuma comes back then you probably see zuma and uh, and michael Keane getting the long long run out as the the preferred pair um that not happening has exposed michael Keane. it's given an opportunity to both Yari Mina and Mason Holgate and it's hard to argue that that both of them haven't really run with it they've both they've both taken this opportunity and and generally speaking excelled I think they both have a game here or there where you'd like them to be better but it's hard to pick it's hard to really pick a weak game from Mason Holgate over the last couple of months I think he's been superb yeah and and I feel as if now he he has a real opportunity to establish himself as the as the senior centre half, and that, that might sound like a, a bit of a silly notion, given the fact we've got Yeri Mina there as well. But I, I feel as if that that calmness that I see from him, he, he does never seem riled. And um, I think it was a perfect example when he sort of got back headbutted by uh, their, <laughs> their substitute, and he seemed to. Well, Charleston got a three game ban for yeah. basically doing that exact same thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, I can't believe, given the opportunity that we heard this weekend that was going to happen, that the referee didn't take time to go and have a look at his pitch side monitor. I thought that was a perfect opportunity to actually sell the product. Um, Nonetheless, he he decided to listen to the uh, video assistant and and obviously nothing come of it, which, again, the mind boggles why these things sort of have no consistency about them when the the tools are there to use and use properly. But in that case with Holgate, I felt that even... Even in, in the, the, it obviously wasn't hurt, and it was obviously was going down in an attempt to get the player sent off. Which you know, I'm all for. We've spoken for years now, Rob, about us not having enough shithousery in this side. Um, <laughs> that that was a good example of that. But also, I felt there was an intelligence there from him that he actually took some time out of the game when perhaps West Ham were getting on top a little bit. There was a spell um, just before that happened in the corner where that the, the guy who actually did the headbutt thing to him was running around like a headless chicken winning all sorts of tackles those those sorts of tackles that really get the fans up in a ground and it felt like there was a real momentum swinging towards West Ham and I just felt I felt that that moment from Holgate took the sting out of that and and we were able to sort of nullify that and, and see the game out and possibly could have nicked it ourselves at the end of the game but um, just to finish Rob overall pretty content with the results and the points and moving on to Newcastle at home a much more comfortable and winnable game for us at Goodison on Tuesday night 
Uh, yeah, I mean, as we said before, I, I think you have to view this as an opportunity because of the relative proximity of the two matches as uh, an opportunity to get four four out of six. Um, I, that This really becomes a game we need to win. Mm. Um, and really, we should be winning home games against bottom half teams. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I think from that standpoint, um, I, 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 along with I think everyone else who watched this game today would, would certainly argue that it would be nice to spend two hours of our lives watching something more uh, aesthetically pleasing uh, than what we saw today. Um, but you hope that we get Richarlison back. You, you hope that that uh, we can we can again probably grind out a result. I just I don't think with the way we're constructed right now that we have a three nil four nil type of game in us right now. I just don't like. I feel like we are we're going to be a team that's going to have to win games. Uh, you know, one nil two one. Uh, you know, we're going to draw games here and there. But uh, when it comes to to winnable home matches at this stage of the season um this is where it's got to be three points and and i don't really care what the circumstances are unless they are you know like we go down to 10 men early in the game and we nick a goal at the end to to get a draw or something uh even with that like i think it would be incredibly disappointing if we don't get three points uh on tuesday but uh that does represent an opportunity for us and and as we've seen this week it looks like uh fingers crossed it looks like we may be getting uh, our two two midfield starting midfielders from the beginning of the season uh, back at some point, uh, hopefully over the next uh, maybe month or so. I, I they're they're always really cryptic with that stuff, so we don't really like. I mean, we know that that Gomez is back, and of course, when he comes back, he's so handsome. It's it's easy to do a, a nice video about it, but we don't really have a sense for how close he is to actually uh, getting back on the training ground. But Gamaman is is training with the first team. I think he'll be the first to return. Um, I, I really am. I think it says a lot that, that he should, as well as Gomez, uh, absolutely waltz into a, the starting eleven once they're they're fit and ready to go. But we're we're almost there, and, and if we can if we can get through those injuries, which we all thought at the time may have put us into a relegation fight, if we can do that and still be around mid table or maybe up to to you know ninth or eighth or something like that, I think that's a real credit, despite how difficult it has all felt for all of us and how long this season has felt i think it's a real credit to to the players and and to the the turnaround that you've seen from both duncan ferguson and carlo ancelotti yeah excellently put rob um you're back with the kickabouts later on in the week yes as always as always yeah what a wonderful show that is make sure you tune into that one uh where rob gets up to all sorts of antics and not just everton ones in fact if he had it his way i I think he'd insist on there being non everton (laughs) everton issues in his show but make sure you tune into that it's called the kickabout Uh, obviously plenty more coming up on the blue room and the blue room extra throughout this week make sure you subscribe head to patreon.com um, forward slash the Blue Room Extra I realise I'm telling people who already do that that fact but make sure you tell your friends about it as well uh, yes. Matt will be back on Monday with uh, the normal weekly show we're on Radio City Talk of course on Wednesday at 6.30 thanks as always for your support and your contributions and make sure you follow uh, at Blue Room Extra on Twitter as well where we're going to be doing more and more stuff that is uh, much more in line with subscriber content so for instance we'll I'll probably put a poll up in a bit asking you that very question about um, Moise Keane and the debate we had a little bit earlier do you think he's he's a lost cause which I think me and Rob conclusively don't think that um, so make sure you get involved in that as well and uh, head to the bloomeefc.com for even more Everton content and we'll speak to you throughout the week thanks very much for listening 
Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Sports Social Podcast Network.